Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church. It's an honor to have you tuning in with us today as we go into week three of You're Not Far. Have you ever had a conversation with someone where they would say something like, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of organized religion or or I don't like organized religion at all or, or, or any kind of variant of that where people are just kind of just averse towards that entire conversation and subject. Man, I feel like I've had a ton of those conversations, and typically when people say a statement in that arena, what they mean is that they, they either had a negative experience with organized religion, or there's a perception that they carry because someone they know had a negative experience, or you know, there's issues around power and control that they've seen either on the media or in person, or there's tendencies of manipulation and behavioral conformity and these rules and regulations to follow, and they all just don't make sense, and there's typically cultures of guilt and shame, and you know, maybe in the process someone uh, um, was hurt or, or, or uh, someone they knew got hurt, or maybe this is you. Maybe all of these things identify with you, and immediately you're like, yeah. And, and you know what's the worst is if you grew up in or around uh, um, any kind of religious you know, experience, um, that, that if you had a really heavy like, religious rule-driven culture, um, and then at the same time whoever was like, hammering you with rules was also hypocritical, Right? Like that would be just the moment that made you cringe. You're like, ah, oh, you're not even consistent, and, and this is so ridiculous. And I think the frustration comes in because um, maybe for you, you couldn't keep the rules, or, or maybe you didn't want to keep the rules, or maybe when you tried to keep the rules and failed, you got smashed for it, or maybe all the rules just seemed absolutely ridiculous to you. Um, and you're kind of looking at the scenario, and you're like, how is any of this helping me get closer to God? And I just want you to know, listen, if you ever experienced that, thought that, know someone who thinks that way, I, you're just not alone, okay? And what might surprise you is Jesus had similar reactions to these types of issues. And so right after the story that we're going to read today, Jesus has an encounter with some religious leaders, and it's more than an encounter, it's typically a dispute. And here's his reaction to some of the religious tradition that's getting in the way of the love of God. Check it out. Jesus looks around at the religious leaders in anger. Now, what kind of picture do you have of Jesus, right? I don't know, like, what kind of, I'm not talking about the color of his skin and what kind of hair type he has, right? But, like, how do you imagine Jesus, not only, like, this mild and meek guy, but, right? He's also the table-flipping angry Jesus at times, and here he's angry and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Here's what's amazing. Jesus didn't get angry, sometimes like you and I do, when, when he didn't get his way, Jesus would get angry when religion got in the way. Does that make sense? Similar, same conversation just right before this scenario in Mark 2.27, we see Jesus say this statement, and this is in, in the same line of conversation. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, in, in response to some religious leaders who are elevating rules over loving people. And this might not mean much to you, right? You're not maybe, uh, you know, from the Jewish lineage, you're not in the first century, but you need to understand that this is a bomb of a statement. I mean, this is a big deal where Jesus comes in and says, hey, it's actually about people, not your rules. And, and for them, they're like, oh, this is, you can't say that because 
everything revolves around the rules. And on the Sabbath, I mean, we, it's such a big deal. It's one of the big ten. I mean, it's our day of rest to the point to where we can't even help and love our neighbor because we've got to keep our rules. And essentially what Jesus is saying in this statement is people are the priority. And maybe a, a better way to help you understand it because we're not, you know, uh, first century Jews is this, that nobody has children, so there will be someone to play with the toys, right? No one looks around in the room and says, man, we got all these toys. You know what we need to do? We, we need some kids to play with all these toys, right? That's totally upside down. Here's the point. God did not create us so there would be someone to keep his rules, but rather God loves you more than God loves his commandments. That's Jesus' point. God loves you more than he loves his commandments. And when we get this backwards, especially when the church gets this backwards, this is when people get hurt. And when religious leaders used the law of God to manipulate people, which this might be the crux of your big issue with religion, when religious leaders would use the law of God to manipulate people made in the image of God, Jesus was quick to remind them that they were on the wrong side of God. And this has got to lead us to ask the question, is the law of God for the benefit of God or is it for the benefit of those God loves? And emphatically over and over again through these scenarios we see in, in, the, in the book of Mark, Jesus reminds us that people are the, the priority. People take precedence. And if that's the answer, then we've got to adjust our perspective and our thinking. And so this might be the heart of your struggle with organized religion. This might be your heart uh, struggle with, with conversations around faith. And my hope is for you, no matter where you're tuning in, listen, I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey, but my hope is if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you walked away from faith or you stayed away from faith or you grew up in it and you left it and now you're kind of checking things out, I, I don't know where you are, but my hope is that the words and the example of Jesus today penetrate your heart in such a way that you might understand the love of God in its entirety. And if you're a follower of Jesus, hear me. My goal for you and for I is that we are equipped to help people find their way to God from where they are, that we understand Jesus and we understand God's heart and we're able to extend that love to the world around us. And so we're going to go back to where we left off last week. And we started off with the story of Jesus. We've kind of been walking through this. This is the story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, as told to us by Simon Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, one of his best friends. This is 30 years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Peter is now at a place of, of uh, losing his life for his faith, and now he is sitting down probably in a jail cell somewhere with his friend John Mark, who is dictating for him because Peter was probably illiterate and couldn't write. And, and again, the big thing here is I don't want you to hear us digging into the Bible because there was no Bible as they sat down to have this conversation. It was Peter and his eyewitness, firsthand historical experiences with Jesus sitting down with Mark, and Mark didn't start at the top with the title B-I-B-L-E. Right? He's just recording the experiences of Peter. And that's where we're picking up today. So if people are the priority, which guys, you got to remember, like two weeks ago, Jesus opened up the, the, the entire conversation with saying, hey, the, the whole issue around rule following and the law and all those things, they, they can just be summed up and put into one big idea of loving God and people. And so it's over and over again, people have always been the priority. 
It's you and I that sometimes get this messed up. And so Jesus is reminding us people are still the priority. And if people are the priority, I want to ask us three evaluation questions, three questions that you and I can ask ourselves to kind of see where our hearts and our minds land in this conversation. And the first one is this. How's my perspective? How's my perspective? Everybody say, I see it. I see it. Check this out. As Jesus was walking along, he's just walking along the Sea of Galilee. We already talked about the region that he's in a couple of weeks ago. He sees Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. We looked at this last week. And, and he looks at him and he says, follow me and be my disciple, which was absolutely shocking because this guy's a crook and he's a tax collector and he's a traitor and no one wants to hang out with him. Everybody hates him. He's complete scum. And Jesus invites him into their crew. This is a big, big moment. And Levi gets up and follows him. So pause for just a second. I want you to think about this scenario for a second. Jesus sees Levi. I want you to just pause and think about it. Normal rhythms of life for Jesus. He's just walking along the, the Sea of Galilee, okay? And then he sees this man. But I need you to understand that Jesus sees what no one else can see. You see, because when Jesus sees Levi, he sees all of his potential and all of his brokenness simultaneously. He, he knows who he is. He knows his reputation. And he also sees someone made in the image of God. He sees all of his mess and his miracle all in the same space. But everyone else, all they can see is scum. All they can see is just a terrible, crooked, thieving, awful, awful person who doesn't, doesn't deserve your love or your community or your good vibes or any of that. Here's the point. Before we move on, I need you to know that Jesus sees all of me, and he sees all of you. He sees all of me, the good, the bad, the ugly. He sees all of you, and he sees all of Levi in this moment. And here's what's amazing. Knowing what it's going to cost, knowing what it's going to cost Jesus his life to make us right with God. When he looks at Levi, knowing it's going to cost him his life to make him right with God, knowing that Levi can never be good enough and that I can't ever be good enough, knowing that I can't ever behave enough, Jesus still looks at me and he still looks at you and he looks at Levi and he says, you're worth it. You're worth it. And guys, I need you to let that sink in, that Jesus would see all of our mess and all of our potential and still decide that we're worth it. In every moment of every day, Friends, there is potential for you and I to have these God moments, to see what God sees in other people. And whether it's with our actions or with our words, we can look at people and we can say, you're worth it. And if you haven't heard it in a minute, you need to hear me. You are worth it. Not because of anything you've done, not because of anything you will do, because of what Jesus will do for you. And he goes on and he looks at, uh, uh, Levi, and he says, follow me, follow me. And it's that simple. I need you to hear me, right? It's not, hey, Levi, why don't you come, you know, do these three things, and then you can follow me. Hey, I need you to go, you know, get you a nice big Bible with red letters in it and start going to church, maybe join a city group and, you know, quit cussing and maybe start giving a little bit of money and make sure you get one of those WWJD bracelets and at least a T-shirt or a hat or something or at least a bumper sticker on your car, and then you can start following me. No, Jesus very simply invites him to follow to be his disciple. 
Earlier, he used the words repent and believe, to turn in his direction, to adopt a new worldview, to face and embrace this new reality of what it means to have a relationship with God. There's two perspectives I need you to see here before we move on. And the first one is how God sees you. How God sees you. Because before we can love others the way that God loves them, we have to make sure that we understand how God sees us. And the invitation to love God is always in response to his love for you and I. That, that God sees you and you're invited, that everyone's invited and everyone's welcome to be a part of this new kingdom and to follow this new king, to be a part of having a relationship with God and having a part in God's family. And then secondly, it's how God sees others, or that he doesn't just love you, but he also sees your potential, that, that he sees in you the ability to call the same potential out of others that he would do the same in you. Right? That later, Jesus would say it this way. He would say, hey, I want you to love people like I have loved you. That I'm not just loving you so you feel better about yourself, but I'm loving you because you were created to be an image bearer. You were created to love others. So the perspective matters. The second question, how is my position? Everybody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Verse 15, check this out. Later, Levi invites Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. This is crazy. Along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. And I love this little side note. I don't know if this was Peter or Mark writing it in, but he says, there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers, right? Like, hey, Jesus hung out with a lot of bad people, culturally speaking, okay? And, and you got to understand, Jesus got invited to a party, and now it's uncomfortable. It was already uncomfortable when Levi got invited to be a part of Jesus' crew, but now he's in his home. And you have to understand, in this culture, to be in Levi's home, th this represents intimacy, it represents alignment, and it is unheard of. And, and immediately, I've got to ask the question, would I get invited to a party like this? Right? Like, like, like it's amazing to me that people who looked nothing like Jesus wanted Jesus around. Have you ever noticed that? And so I got to ask the question, do people who look nothing like Jesus want me around? And you got to ask the question, do people who look nothing like Jesus want you around? Notice that the religious people aren't invited. You know why? Because they're judgmental and they're prideful and they've distanced themselves from people like Levi. But Jesus said, hey, I didn't come to judge, but I came to save in John 3, 17. Here's what I need you to understand, though. If Jesus had not leveraged his position, his perspective wouldn't have mattered. Hear me. If Jesus would not have leveraged his position, his perspective wouldn't have mattered. Here's what that means. You and I can say that we love people all day long, but until we position ourselves to help people find their way to God from where they are, we're just giving lip service, right? It would have been so easy for Jesus to just invite Levi to follow him, be in his circle, and then keep cruising. But instead, Jesus pauses, and he actually goes to Levi's house, into Levi's circle, and, and is a part of his crew. And, and I just want you to think, have you ever noticed that, that Jesus is consistently showing up not about himself? Like, everything Jesus does, it's like all about people. Sometimes it's so frustrating when you want to be selfish. But you know why Jesus is all about people? Because he understands the heart of God. And because he understands the heart of God, he's all about what God loves. 
And so for the followers of Jesus who are tuning in, just for a moment, listen, if you call City Church your home, if you're a follower of Jesus in any context leaning in right now, I just need to remind you, the church is not about us. It's never been about us. It's not going to be about us. It's not about us. The church is about us connecting our friends to the love of God, that we get to be a part of the family of God and a part of the mission of God, and it's about us helping our friends find their way to God from where they are. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's not about you. And so I need you to have a perspective shift with me and a positional shift with me, and I've been having this conversation with our staff over the last week or so, and it's just simply showing up in every scenario and and remembering that I get to do this. Right? Like, think about, I get to be Danielle's husband. I get to be a father. I get to be your pastor. I get to go to my city group. I get to go tonight and worship and prayer. I get to help my neighbors carry that heavy couch down their stairs the other day. I get to help them take apart a dining room table and carry that down the stairs as well. I get to show up and love people. It's a perspective. Not that I have to. You think Jesus showed up? Ah, got to go to Levi's house. Because it's what Jesus would do, right? Like, no, man. I get to show up and love the people around me. Listen, Jesus loves the crap out of me. I don't know how else to say it, right? But, like, I'm, I'm just going to go love the crap out of other people, right? Like, that's just the best that I can do. I, I, I want to do it because it's so amazing for me. The same is true for you. So what about your position? What about your position? that you and I could show up at our groups and show up at nights of worship and show up in online engagement, remembering it's not about us. It's not about us, but my involvement matters because there's people there that I have an assignment from God to love, and it matters where I am. I'm going to invite my friends to everything I'm a part of, and I'm also going to go to them. I'm on mission together in this family. I heard this week the top two predictors of spiritual growth. Listen, the top two predictors of spiritual growth for an individual, you know what they are? Number one, close friends. Not great music, not great services, not great messages, not a cool pastor. Bummer, huh? None of those things. You know what it is? It's close friends. And number two, you know what it is? Ownership. Ownership. That when I show up and I realize I have an assignment from God, and this is my family, and I'm a part of this body, and it matters when I show up, and it's not about me, and I'm going to show up to love and to serve. Two things are happening. I'm creating ownership, which is creating spiritual growth inside of me, because the less it's about me, the more God does in me and through me. But in the process, I'm creating culture and community that is so amazing and so full of love that I want to invite every person on the planet to be a part of it. So number one, thank you for making City Church a place like that. And number two, don't stop. Let's keep positioning ourselves to love and serve those around us. Number three, how's my posture? How's my posture? Everybody say, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Check it out. But when the teachers of religious law, in uh, verse 16, who were Pharisees, saw Jesus eating with the tax collectors and the other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? You see the disposition and the pride? And when Jesus heard this, he told them, and listen, he's inside, they're outside, right? they're not going to go inside, and they're just kind of confused. And I think Jesus kind of leans over in his chair a little bit, yells out the window, hey, healthy people, they don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know 
They are sinners. And you got to think, guys, right? Levi and his friends are sitting right there. Right? Jesus yells out the window, hey, <laughs> healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And Levi's like, and he looks around at his buddies, and they all just kind of smile, and they're like, yeah. And they just start high-fiving each other, like, yeah, we know, we know. And, and the truth is, guys, right, we're all sick. Think about it. We're all sick. You don't like the word sinner? That's okay. You ever said or did something to hurt somebody else? Yeah, me either. So let's just keep moving, right? We're, we're not even consistent with the rules that we give our kids, much less the consistency in ourselves. Like, like we know we don't have it all together, and so I think deep down, listen, I think deep down, we all know that if a right relationship with God is dependent on how I keep his rules, I'm in trouble. That if my whole capacity to have a relationship with God is about my performance, I'm in trouble. But somehow in this moment, this wasn't offensive to Levi and his friends. And I think it's because Levi was at a point where he was ready to acknowledge his sickness. He was ready to acknowledge his brokenness. He wasn't unaware of his need for help, he, he was ready and, and aware enough to acknowledge his sinfulness, to use the words that Jesus would use. And then he goes on, and he said, I, I didn't come to call those who think they have it all together. I came to call those who know they're sinners. And listen, remember, remember this is from Peter, right? Peter's sitting in the room, and he's like um, um, dictating this story right now, but it, as he recalls this, I want you to think about it. He's like, you called me? Right? Peter's in there with everybody else. He's like, you called me? And, and then all of a sudden, the, the, the playing field is completely leveled, and everyone is invited because Jesus said, listen, I'm inviting everyone to leave something behind, to abandon something old, and to embrace something completely new. And I just want you to hear me, guys. You are one turn away. You, you might be one shift, one small decision away from this new life that Jesus came to introduce. And here, here's what was so loud about what Jesus was doing. It was his pursuit it was his intentional, out-of-the-way love of the unrighteous person that made this so loud. Jesus was going out of his way to invite people in. It didn't matter their language, their background, their ethnicity, their morality. None of it mattered. Everyone was invited. And this is why we see over and over again that Jesus is teaching us that religion, or rather religious action without love, is useless. That religion is about me, and following Jesus is about others. Jesus, over and over again, he would, he would call sinners and unbelievers to follow him. And guys, I need you to get this. He didn't demand that they change. He, he didn't even demand that they believe he was the son of God on the front end. He knew that if they would just follow him, if they would just take one step in his direction, that it would change them and they would get it. And right after this scenario, his family shows up hearing what's going on in the area. And they try to take him away saying, he is out of his mind. And this is where we're going to pick up our story next week. Why? Because you don't try to manufacture and make up a story and leave in these kind of details. Peter and Mark, they, they weren't trying to sand off the rough edges to make this a more believable account. This is just real life experiences of stuff that happened. And Jesus' family showed up calling him crazy. So here's the deal. If you're a sinner, you're invited to follow Jesus. And if you don't like that word, no matter where you are, if you're broken, if you're, if you're stuck, if you're inconsistent, if you're 
not perfect? Or you put whatever word you want to in there. You are invited. I need you to hear me. You are invited. That if you and I, if Jesus was here today on this planet walking around in the same way he was in these scenarios, he would seek you out. And he would seek me out. And he would invite you. And initially, you and I, we might be uncomfortable with what he found going on on the inside. We might be uncomfortable with what he knew about us really. But you need to understand something. Jesus would not be uncomfortable. And he would be there. And he would sit there until you and I were comfortable with him. The invitation is open to follow Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you're, you're, you're invited to yield to Jesus, right? Like, like, if your will bumps up against his, right? If you're not invited to, to say yes to a list or to a law. You're invited to love people like he loved you. You're not invited to follow a list or a law. It's, it's a person. And guys, hear me on this. Following Jesus will absolutely make your life better. And it's also going to make you better at life. That's why you're invited to follow and not just believe. Let me give you a couple of reflection questions as we close out tonight. Is there an area of your perspective that needs to be adjusted? Is there anything about how you think God sees you or how you think God sees other people that needs to be adjusted up against how Jesus informs us of this reality? In what ways can you adjust your position to make people the priority this week? Because people are the priority this week. How are you going to position yourself around your friends and your family and your coworkers and your neighbors who don't yet have a relationship with God? How are you going to love and serve them? And lastly, is there an area that you need to yield to Jesus this week? Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and there's some things getting in the way, some things in your life that are bumping up against God's will for your life. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and you're tuning in and you're hearing for the first time. Maybe some of the barriers are coming down. Maybe some of the walls are coming down. Maybe some of the simplicity of the love of God and the invitation to be a part of his family, to be forgiven, to be made new, is becoming abundantly clear. And maybe God has you tuning in for this very moment so you can say yes to Jesus. I want to follow you. I don't just believe, but I believe you can. Forgive me. Make me new. I want to follow you. If you make that decision today, man, let us know so we can encourage you, equip you, follow up with you by texting into the number on the screen. Love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. See you soon.